Well, good morning, everybody, and it's uh, another conversation with Agility by Nature, and I'm hosting today. It's uh, Ian Gill. Um, as you know, we like to bring great business leaders, IT professionals, coaches, all telling you about how they create value in the digital world. Today, I've got a very interesting guest. They say seeing is believing, and that's all very well when you can see physical things, but what do you do with knowledge work? How do you see knowledge work? How do you see code when you're not a coder. Today's special guest is Yuri Malachenko, who is an expert in visualization. He's a terrific agile coach and I met him many many moons ago when we both worked briefly in the Ukraine. Good morning Yuri, how are you? Hey good day Ian, good to be here, thanks for having me. I am really pleased and so Yuri, you and I, we met at uh, Cyclum, that was some years ago wasn't it, it was, uh, that was, I can't remember when was that? I think it was the year 2013, 14, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely and uh, you, you, know, you were great help to us uh, working with the team that we had out there as well and actually I was just doing the, the, the classic LinkedIn snoop through, um, you started as a mathematician you yeah, mean? that's right. My major at the university was applied mathematics that yeah. uh, wired my thinking into models, uh, precision, also not being sloppy about uh, stating stuff, right? So if you say something, you are sure about it. <laughs> I, I think it was a great school. I um, honestly did not work much with uh, mathematics. But I like to think that I carried this spirit of um, uh, what you call it, like a thinking a finesse with me. At least I, I want to think so. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know you're a good thinker. But then you became, um, was it graphic designer? Um, which is I thought, interesting pivot and kind of underpins where you, you, you've come more lately. Yeah, well, that was a weird uh, twist of... Um, fate i i really liked uh, drawing i really liked uh, graphic design and uh, at uh, around that time the digital graphic design was booming and i got so attracted to that so i decided okay i don't want to work as a software developer that would be a normal path for me to continue after the graduation and i just took a job of a graphic designer with uh, no prior experience I was I was lucky to be hired as one and uh, I just stayed in that industry for five years and learned a lot about uh, what uh, the visual expression is how do you communicate visually I've, I've worked for marketing departments yeah. and um, I also used to work with customers a lot in one of the jobs and that taught me a, a lot about customer centricity empathy toward um, a customer. I was lucky to uh, work in a department uh, where I think I have served, I don't know, maybe a few hundreds of people coming with the ideas you needed to implement. I think that was a, a terrific school to understand how people uh, think and how, how, how different they are in their thinking. And then, and then the needs are diverse. It was an amazing school for me. I think that's brilliant. And, and, you know, I like the idea that you've got to manage all those different requirements and people's dreams and what's in their head and make it come true and, uh, and show it to them. I love that. But then you didn't stay as a graphic. I mean, you've done, you moved into sort of project management, but really you moved much more into agile coaching. Um, that, so that seems another change of direction. And what, what brought you to that point? 
Well, it might uh, sound like a change, but not much changed for me, at least as far as my attitude to work and uh, to a mission of a professional. I think the industry changed, uh, not so much uh, my uh, uh, attitude and approach to it. I think I brought a very powerful knowledge about the communication and um, effective tools for collaborating in a diverse group with me and uh, a strong a strong focus on on a customer on an end user uh, when i became a project manager i used to do a lot of uh, ba work in my job and it was so natural for me uh, to talk to our customers who wanted to, to achieve a certain goal with a software uh, developed by our teams and for me it was very natural i was like with them there was no me in that equation i by that time i knew uh, what that meant to yeah. represent your customer so there was no conflict of interest and i was a bit surprised to see that that was not really a, a common attitude in the industry a lot of my uh, project manager colleagues um, they would not necessarily share the same um, attitude to, wow. to their job. And, and I thought like, well, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but that's the way I like it. And um, I think um, because of that attitude, uh, I was uh, invited to join an agile consultancy yeah. where, where it was really valued uh, to, to have uh, that type of thinking, you know, the customer is the king and uh, we need to be value oriented. I, th I think that transition was really natural and organic. Yeah. And, and did you find it easy to, as a consultant now, you know, doing it yourself, having command over what you do, did you find it easy to coach others to do that? Is that when visualization became stronger or did you take a slightly different path? Well, first of all, I need to confess. I, I still believe that I am I'm a crappy coach. I'm still I'm I'm not still I'm not like let me say it differently. Not still. It's yeah. only now that I start realizing what uh, coaching actually is. It's a very yeah. deep practice. It's almost spiritual in many uh, senses. So I would say that up until maybe 2015, um, I think my approach to coaching would be. Uh, very much mechanistical not really realizing how deep the topic is so my coaching would be more of a mentor in teams to embrace a certain way of working right so that i'm not sure there was enough coaching in in how i approached that i think i just winked um, on the fact that I had a strong uh, human empathy <laughs> with me, but I'm not really sure I, I, I'm still a very good coach. So I just need to confess about it. It's important to understand uh, where I am today, but I'm now learning more about coaching and opening that field uh, for myself. Not sure I want to stay in that field uh, going forward. I have a huge respect and appreciation to this uh, profession and uh, to the passionate people who uh, willed that profession and are are passionate to continue uh, on that journey. I personally like to be uh, more on on the um, you could say on the trenches side to be in the moment. Right? I don't feel like it's it's mine, but I I I do understand. I think a bit better what that means. So so coaching for me uh, started really 
not so long time ago um, in, in proper format. But what was the question? Sorry, I, I rambled here a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was the movement. Oh, I, I know. I'm sorry. I was I was really absorbed into your into your explanation. It was really about moving from managing managing your own stuff to actually help oh. others to manage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Way. Right. 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 Yes, I, I can tell you um, about that. So when I found myself in this coaching slash consulting role. I think I um, I really enjoyed that, and um, that's where my experience with uh, facilitation really boomed. Because I understood that if you want to be successful as a consultant, and let's just uh, align on what we understand by that. At least in this conversation, the way I see that is a consultant is a person who is employed for a short term period of time um, hired to tackle a particular problem or a challenge uh, bringing in their expertise and and hopefully making sure that uh, whatever products of uh, their work um, are in place they they can stick and continue built on by the organization who hired you for for that job that, that would be my definition in a nutshell right i might be wrong about it in general but that's how i understand that when we're talking about it right now and when i uh, started doing that job i realized how much um uh, how much of uh, of a facilitation is in that job and if you really want to to, to enable uh, the products of your work to stay around, stick around, you need to make sure that people mm, you, you are hired by and work uh, for and with, they are engaged and uh, they really want to be a part of that. And the best way to engage people is to facilitate the process rather than act as an arrogant expert. Like, yeah, just move to, to the side, experts are talking. You could do that, but the results would be uh, short-lived. And if you have the ambition for uh, your trace to, to stay after you, and I think that that was my ambition back in those days, uh, you want to make sure that others people, other people involved, uh, they really want to be a part of that and help you shape it if you're wrong about things. So so I've... I've uh, I've learned a lot about facilitation and I continue learning a lot about it. And I think um, that was a stepping stone, like, you know, facilitation. Yeah. And, and when you talk about facilitation, when you need to um, make sure that the group collected together on the mission, uh, that they can achieve the best possible results, you need to make sure this group is talking the same language Mm, and that's where my visual component that was uh, dormant but to a certain degree became super active whiteboards flip charts presentations um, drawing the conversation capturing the points capturing really intangible things as as diagrams as uh, metaphorical expressions that's where i just realized oh that means I have a superpower. <laughs> I could okay. use that. And uh, that's when the visual thinking part really kicked in. 
in in the consulting mode uh, you use that a lot and uh, if you can do that nicely uh, effectively and and uh, having fun while at it i think it's a beautiful addition to anyone uh, doing a similar job out there either as a consultant or a facilitator yeah or a coach uh, for that matter absolutely i mean uh, uh, you know we are we've been linkedin for a long time and i do love when your little vignettes come up of yours a little bit of uh, visualization or something you've done with clients and, and also you've got a brilliant podcast as well um which is called if i can bear, bear with me while i find my notes um visual thinking visual thinking which is on itunes um and it's for visual thinkers and you've got 44 episodes and if people want to know more or interested in this area check that out it's really really interesting and i think and i was listening to the, the, the last episode it's actually with a graffiti artist and i just thought i wouldn't have expected that in a professional broadcast but of course it makes perfect sense yeah thank you ian that's uh, really kind of you mentioning the podcast um that is a product of my side project uh, my uh, side passion um you know i uh, have a daytime job where i'm an agile coach hired by uh, the largest uh, danish bank at the moment and i spend a lot of time promoting and uh, popularizing the skill of visual thinking and the podcast is one of those undertakings uh, to support that uh, initiative and in that podcast, I uh, talked to various people coming from various fields and uh, walks of life, but who effectively and successfully apply different tools and, uh, and uh, methods uh, of uh, what we call visual thinking. Basically, people who can use simple drawings, diagrams, visualizations, uh, you name it, in order to do their job better, in order to communicate clearer in order to make uh, the collaboration with their colleagues and clients uh, more effective. And I, I keep on exploring that um, because I want others to, to hear that it can be applied pretty much everywhere and it should be applied everywhere. It should be probably the third uh, type of um, of skill that is uh, taught to youngsters and um, along with reading and writing so that they could express themselves uh, visually and not necessarily as far as uh, the art goes but just to explain themselves in the format of a visual i think it's um, it's a skill that will be required in the future it's 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 required today already but the majority of people don't know how to do that so my my mission is to to inspire and um, get people interested to learn yeah. more and to see how they could use that in their professional and private lives. And I think if we all learned to do that to a certain degree, I'm not saying everyone should be a professional, but if we learn to express ourselves and demand uh, others to explain themselves uh, with visuals, uh, we would have less problems today. That's my belief. I think it's really interesting because a lot of people say I'm quite visual. That's not an uncommon thing to hear. And I don't know about you, but I also hear a lot of people say about, for example, presentations. Uh, God, death by PowerPoint. What they actually often mean is too many slides and too much words, too many words. Uh, and there's been a lot of movement now to move 
much more to pictures, one photograph, maybe one word, uh, and, and actually change that dynamic. Do you have mm. the, in terms of visualization, I've seen some of your work, you are a graphic, you, you can draw. Is it something that's accessible for the, the non-drawer, for someone like me who's a bit cack-handed? I can use, I can do uh, value stream, I can do um, sticky notes and what have you. Is it something you have to be good at drawing or is it some, there's lots of techniques for the, for the lay person? Hmm. I think um, it's a positive um, to your question. So let's let's just talk about uh, what does that mean to express yourself visually? What yes. does it entail? Um, in my beliefs system, that means that you suggest a certain two-dimensional structure yeah. that has a symbolic explanation of a, of a certain concept. Yeah. And normally we talk about abstract concepts that are difficult to grasp. You don't have to explain a concept of an apple on the plate, right? We can visualize that because we have an experience interacting with such physical objects. That's, that's too trivial to explain visually. I'm talking about um, a situation, something like the lack of ownership from the team's side when it comes to decision-making based on the priorities coming from a product owner. Yeah, right? yeah. So it might make sense to you. You are engaged in a certain situations involving the things I've just mentioned. So you can visualize them because you've uh, probably you're picturing some situations with real faces of people and so forth. But imagine you, you have to explain that to someone who is lacking the experience to lean on. The only way to do that um, I mean, not the only way to do that, but the, the only effective way to do that is provide a two-dimensional visual explanation of what you mean. And to answer your question, you don't need to learn how to draw people and um, facial expressions to convey frustrated people, True. perplexed people, angry people. All you need to do is to probably open... A, a virtual whiteboard or even Microsoft Paint yep. and just draw boxes, lines and text. And I'm sure you can do that. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you have um, an engineering background or even, not even, but, or some other uh, higher educational background, you, you know how to combine things in diagrams. It's not something you have to learn from the scratch. So all you need to do is just to create a representation of that and, write, and run it by a person you're trying to explain it to or your audience and say, does it make sense? Mm -hmm. And they will ask you a question, I'm not sure about this, what do you mean here? And you can augment and, and adjust, or they say, yeah, it makes sense, but what about that? So you could use that as a foundation to build on and add the missing elements. That's what I'm talking about uh, when I mention visual thinking, not necessarily um, a, a form full of aesthetic elements. Yeah. That is a nice addition. Yeah. It's good that if you can do that, but yeah. not necessarily you have to do that. And just, just as I said, just open Visio, open, just take a pen and paper, yeah. just draw boxes and lines. That will get you far, I promise you. I, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I'm a pen and paper man, to be honest, I have to say. One of the other things I would, 
observe is when you're in a group and you start using visualization graphics whatever i think it just increases the energy in the group massively in a way that the written word doesn't and i have a lot of respect for the written word but it can bring a lot of energy to the group that you're working with yeah that's true i i do experience the same and that's interesting why does it happen i'm not sure i could offer a meaningful explanation i could only guess that it could could uh, could have something in common with trust because yeah. uh, that way uh, you try to show that you care you try to show that you are you are spending effort to understand and people respect that right so you're not they, they see that you're not just using some cliche f- phrases to brush them off like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk about ownership good good let's let's talk tomorrow right and uh, that's one thing but if you if you engage in the visualization exercise you basically show that you care and you want to understand so maybe it has something to do with trust mm-hmm. Also, uh, people appreciate clarity. I think we as species are afraid of uh, uncertainty. We, we, we hate it. <laughs> we want everything in boxes. We want uh, to know uh, where we go with the family on a summer vacation. We want everything under control. And we're so pissed off if something just happens out of line, out of <laughs> order, right? I think we are um, a species kind of a... Uh, homo sapiens uh, control freak use (laughs) 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 some some sort of right and 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 then i mean uh, if we um if we agree we have that in all of us then people appreciate uh, your attempt especially the successful attempt to offer clarity so let's say you enter a team or a number of teams as a hired coach or as hired uh, organizational management consultant and you 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 enter and everything is on fire and uh, they are in hell and that kind of situation yeah. and then you say hold on hold on let's let's just uh, try to get uh, the bearing of where we are today and then you try and draw this out with them and suddenly the things that they kind of understand uh, uh, on the subconscious level becomes clear to them because you offered a mirror to, to look into and then explain you're here these are uh, these are your objectives and you're not getting there because that stands in your way um, and then suddenly they like yeah that's where we are thank you oh my we never even thought about drawing this out but it makes sense now because we could dissect our problem we could focus on this and that thank you so much and i think people also might appreciate the clarity of of that and many more i i cannot say for sure but i have seen at least these two cases when um when people enjoyed uh, this way of working uh, over just talking about the problem yeah I think that's that's right, and I think I think the other thing, of course, is if you're working with physical media as well, you've got the, the ability to have physical movement rather than everybody just sitting down. Um, and even actually, something I think there's an emotional engagement as well. We talked about lines and smiley faces, but you see a smiley face, you're happy. <laughs> you mirror, yeah, you mirror exactly. Face. You see a sad face, you think, oh. So there's an engagement in a. It's not a cerebral. It's a more emotional engagement mm. where it drives a lot of power from as well. Um, fascinating stuff. And I, I'm glad to see you, you, you've been 
driving that movement. I want to come back to this engagement uh, and change and facilitation points that you were making earlier, um, because you know a lot of the work coaching and trans and um, agile is about that dread word transformation. And I know you've had some. I've seen some YouTube uh, work you've done, and you've been quite clear about your opinions about mm. what needs to happen to get transformation and what shouldn't be happening to get transformation. I wonder if you wanted to share your thoughts about how to get transformation because yeah it's really key yeah it's such a controversial topic and uh, you can hear opinions uh, we don't need transformations we need evolutions we don't need revolutions we need evolutions Um, and a lot of stuff along those lines and um, I think um, it's difficult to talk about these things um, out of the context of the situation. Yeah. But, but in general, if, if I could, uh, if I try to generalize that, that would be um, only in connection with my personal experience. And yeah. I, can, I can say for sure what I have seen um, in the engagements I was a part of, those transformations would normally be done in a way that uh, you try to ignore, um, you try to ignore the the rules of the nature. You try to be arrogant, uh, thinking that you can predict everything and uh, carefully plan everything upfront, and create a, a an ideal picture of what's going on. I think I think it's a bit too arrogant because life is is a very fluid thing, and you can you can create probably a perfect snapshot of the reality, but moments later, is your snapshot is not relevant anymore. Yeah. So yeah. so when it comes to transformations, my biggest take on it, and again, I can only relate to my personal experience. It's really difficult to generalize on this particular topic. It's really context sensitive, but but again, leaning on my own experience, I can say that we just need to understand that uh, the reality is so fluid that we need to approach the changes uh, we want to create with the organization and uh, with the products and services such an, uh, an organization is trying to develop from the perspective of a change if a change is a product wow. so we cannot just install it as a software let's run this uh, update on this organization it will it will last for six months yeah. we just need to wait until the upload bar uh, completes and then you know everything is fine by that point and we can r- write that program up front by spending enough time analyzing every every single issue and we will write a comment to tackle all of that all of those uh, individual issues it, it will be compiled and, and uh, the uh, um, upgrade to the organization will be installed. Th- that's my understanding of um, the, tr- the approach, the, you could say the predominating approach to running transformations, like as if it was a software that can be written once and maybe a few patches uh, ran um, a couple times later after the main update. I, th- I think it's like, let's accept the fact that we control nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and let's think about what we don't like today and let's uh, visualize a better future. Yeah. And let's iterate together 
and learn how we can get there. So basically a change to how we work together is a product yeah. and we need to approach that as such. That's my biggest take on it. Yeah, okay. I love that idea that um, people are trying to run their transformation as software upgrades or software installations. And, and when, I, when I heard you talking about that, yeah, that is so, so true. Do you think the, you know, the, there's a lot of frameworks now that are big transformational frameworks uh, such as SAFE um, and so on and so forth. Do you think that they are helping with the software download approach or do you think they could be better at helping with the working out how to work together and create your right products? I realize that was a dangerous leading question. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. And I'm trying to plot my safe uh, way out of, of the question. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you this. Okay. Um, I think that if you look inside of those packages that uh, the frameworks offer, there are good things in there. Yeah. There Definitely. are sensible. Is it the word? I don't know. Sensible. Uh, sensible yeah, yeah. Um, and things like for example coordinating a lot of teams yeah. Yeah. scrum of scrums um, planning together uh, planning for alignment and not to get a plan a lot of good stuff um, scattered uh, across those frameworks so i think if you um if you look at those frameworks as boxes full of uh, weird stuff in them, right? You should look at them as such. Just take a few of those boxes and, and even take all of them, right? Put, the, put those boxes on the table. Embrace the fact that you control nothing. Approach your change to the organization as a product and uh, encourage the people involved to peek into those boxes once in a while yeah. and think like, hey, we could use this ball. It's shiny and bouncy. <laughs> oh no, this is not going to work. At least we cannot use it for now. Let's keep it in that box um, until a, a further notice. I think uh, that's a better idea than trying to uh, to just follow the, the things that are in those boxes as a prescription or the software upgrade. It, th at least that's how I use those <laughs> very interesting and subtle interpretation actually i was talking to someone recently about say you know he said Look, a lot of people don't like it some people love it so on and so forth but you know when you've got a large organization and we're dealing with thousands of people in this particular case we've got a large organization it helps you have some sort of structure some sense of what we should be looking at mm -hmm. and i like your idea of well here's a bunch of boxes and let's peek into them and see what the the, the benefit could be to us i, I rather like that actually uh, that's really understanding rather than just following, which I think is your main point there. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, we have uh, this uh, uh, Suhari uh, concept of, you know, blindly follow and then become more mindful and then design your own rules. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure that um, you could just blindly follow the box it can lead you to some dangerous places. I'm not sure that's the case you could blindly follow. But um, but yeah, it's it's a really tough topic. Yeah, yeah I, and then also I think the, the blindly follow, the problem I have with that is you may not evolve 
any further than that. Mm. And if it's not right for the organisation, I don't think you've really, I don't think you've brought the agility in. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the things we've been talking about when we met, uh, when we spoke a few weeks ago is about the mindset. So you're peaking the box. I think that's saying we need a very different mindset in the organisation. And how do we bring that about? That's a very good question. I wish I knew the answer to it. <laughs> well, but but honestly, it's it's really tightly coupled with yeah. with the previous one, and um, it's um, is it better to have uh, a structure to follow other than no structure at all? How much should you empower people? How much can you give the freedom of choice and so forth? But I think. Um, there is a, a third um, a third perspective to look from when we talk about uh, changes in large organizations um, because we get, we're stuck uh, there we cannot find a meaningful answer I think so um, maybe we just need to change the perspective and I'm, I'm just thinking about the the dilemma of large organizations and as far as the uh, change and the structure and all of that goes why don't we find a way to simplify it, right? Uh, for, for example, there is a huge, huge conversation ongoing in the agility world at the moment. How do we manage dependencies in large organizations? Yeah. Uh, tools, methods. And I, I sense that uh, we are falling for the trap uh, to love just uh, the problem and f- finding a beautiful solution to that. But, but at the same time, is this problem also a bit artificial? Wh- what is causing those dependencies? The in- immense organizational complexity, obviously. So why don't we just say, okay, instead of trying to find the Einstein grade solution to the dependency management, why don't we... Uh, work hard to break uh, this monster down so you don't have to worry about that right yeah so so i i'm not saying that's that's the way to go about stuff and i can imagine people saying like it's not helping it's not going to to simplify anytime soon and we need to survive now but i'm just saying why don't we talk about that why don't we talk about uh, simplifying the the root cause instead of uh, trying to find a, a good solution to that maybe we will never find it um, uh, not at least on the general uh, level it will always be uh, context sensitive mm-hmm. in my humble opinion but i'm just saying no, I, I, I recognize what you're saying there because, you know, um, it's acceptance that the dependencies are there and you have to manage them. Well, yeah, okay. If you can't break them, you have to manage them. But if you can break them and simplify. And I was talking to uh, Jose Casal recently and he said the problem with people when they scale up their organizations, um, they have poor management of things and dysfunctions and they scale up the dysfunctions as much as anything. Uh, uh, and then trying to unravel that and unwind that is really, really hard. Uh, so your idea of simplicity, it seems to me to be quite the right approach, but it's an opinion. Um, you've got, and you, you say this is based on your experience, all your answers, obviously that's, that's true. And you have got a couple of decades of experience. So it, it's, a good, it's a good vat of knowledge you have there. More recently, you've been product owner 
and product owner in uh, larger organizations. The world's changing faster and faster. We've had the pandemic, we've had digitization. How do, how, how do product owners steward the new world? Just like the, the rest of us, <laughs> hardly. <laughs> um, well, and I need to explain that um, my flavor of product ownership experience is uh, heavily influenced uh, by the specifics of uh, large corporate environments yeah. where product owners uh, traditionally gravitate uh, to become more of a, a meditation mediators uh, between uh, the business uh, business problem people and the technology solution people and uh, that has a huge uh, implication of uh, the mindset and the approach to doing their job but um, if i just to if i'm if i were to name a few i think um, learning to be effective in a remote setting is a huge huge issue Um, we need to learn how to facilitate we need to learn how to maintain the social contact with uh, the teams we're working on and it's deteriorating people are isolated they feel abandoned they feel alone and of course uh, uh, if, if you are motivated uh, what good can you produce as a specialist and uh, that's a huge one another one is how can you if you even can do anything about it um, push this monstrous huge organization yeah from inside uh, with your very humble um, impulse you, you bear with yourself to to become really customer centric to become really agile we we talk about that in large organizations and quite often it uh, ends up being just empty talks right but but you as a product owner you want these things because you want to be empowered you want to be allowed to make decisions because you are the closest to the problem you know what is right to do and there are so many uh, restrictions, the, the, the way things are budgeted, the way uh, priorities are decided for years ahead and stuff yeah. like that. So how can you personally yeah. um, juggle uh, the issues that came with COVID where you need to rally your people, make sure that they are not burning out and making sure that you can still be effective working 100% distributed remotely from home and at the same time, push your organization uh, to win some space for yourself, uh, for your decisions. It's a huge, huge challenge. And uh, yeah, I don't have answers. I can only say I can see that. And uh, the part I'm working for, I'm, I'm working for a, a unit uh, responsible for helping our business customers to get financing from the bank it's uh, shy of 100 people so i'm i'm working with these people on a daily basis to figure out together how we can find answers to those questions but yeah i don't have any for you well no, i think actually first of all um what i like very much about what you're saying is you've built up all of the things all the considerations that the product owner has to deal with in large organizations, possibly even in small organizations. So just understanding the, the, the sense of problem, I don't think it's a bad start. Um, it's a hard role. 
uh, and you're but the other thing that came through is about is this, this sense of facilitation like you're the product facilitator as much as you are the product I mean, mm. facilitator more than the owner I think that was an opinion that uh, an old colleague of mine James Yoxall was happier to use when he's talking about product owners it's a really hard role but very rewarding if you can expose to the team the problems that customers need to have solved hmm I really like this notion of product facilitator. I think it's a spot on um, sentiment. So you really facilitate people uh, available for for the mission uh, to get the best out of them to to find uh, to sense and find the best um, mode of, op- of operations for them. Um, it's it's a facilitator's role. But at the same time, you also need to be able to challenge uh, the decisions made collectively. That's where your product part kicks in. I love it. Yeah. Yuri, um, I do very much thank you for your time today. It's been great walking through your opinions, which I have to say, just to reiterate everybody, you've been doing this for a long time. So uh, I really appreciate it. And I really like the fact that we've talked about visualization using voice only. I didn't think you could do it, but you have done it. <laughs> you, you can do that. I can tell you after 47 episodes of visual thinking podcast, it's it's possible. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I recommend uh, it. Uh, and also you provide training in visualization. Is it through Udemy? Um, of yeah. Yeah. I do that in the, in the number of ways. I have um, a digital product with Udemy. It's called Visual Thinking and Sketch Noting Bootcamp. And uh, people can just purchase, purchase that from Udemy. And uh, um, a, a bit of a smarter idea is to sign up for my newsletter because what I do is that I offer a monthly 50% discount uh, to my subscribers uh, to purchase that. Um, so you could save some money. And I'm planning um, a monthly um, newsletter later in the week. So it could be a a perfect opportunity just to get a discount uh, just before the Christmas holidays. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and, and seriously, if, if you're coaching or in facilitation or you're just intrigued about the power of uh, visualization, uh, do check it out. That's the best way for people to get hold of you if they want to take it a bit further, LinkedIn or, or something like that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm available on uh, the majority of uh, social media networks and I am available on LinkedIn. I have a blog on visual thinking on Instagram. I'm quite active there. I am uh, present on Twitter. Just reach out um, wherever you prefer to have a conversation and I will be glad to to pick it up from there. So uh, you can find me. Maybe Ian will be uh, uh, so nice to put those links on the episode's description. (laughs) Absolutely. At the bottom, we will always put in uh, the links to contact you. Um, and indeed, if you want to talk to me, you can get hold of me at ian.gill at agilitybynature.com or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not such a big Twitterer, but I do have a Twitter handle, which I'll dig out as well. Uh, Yuri, thank you so much. And, you know, for everybody, uh, we did work together and I found Yuri to be very warm, very effective and very, very uh, empathetic. So uh, well worth checking out his work. So, Yuri, I think it's lunchtime. I've got to walk Darcy the dog. 
and we've got a new dog, Lottie. So I've got two dogs to walk. Um, nice. and, uh, but thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully people will be uh, contacting you for that Brucey discount. That would be awesome. And uh, either way, it's been a fantastic experience talking about these things. And uh, you've uh, made a great job um, weaving these things together in such a short time where we came from as early as my university times to to my current job and we even went deep with uh, the transformation product ownership great job actually yeah thank you very much that's very kind of you bless you well in that case i'm going to walk the dog with a little bit of a spring in the bed <laughs> yes okay but um all the best and let me know when the episode is out i'll make sure to promote it absolutely fabulous goodbye for now bye all the best bye. thanks